We're in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse uh, number 23. As we continue our theme of growing people to reach the lost, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Um, it says, Luke chapter 9, verse 22, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, 23, then he said to them all, oh, if anyone desires or desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. As we continue to look at growing uh, people to reach the lost, and we've been talking about being a disciple of Jesus Christ here in this text, Jesus give us the requirement it will cost to be his disciple. Jesus is now talking not only to the Jewish people, but also to us. He comes here and he starts off, he says, to all of you, we're speaking to those who are there now and those who are listening through the scriptures. It was a time where Jesus had done great work in his ministry. As a matter of fact, if we look back, starting to chapter 6, Jesus has uh, started his sermon on the mount, and he was doing his teaching and just going over the doctrine, and he was healing people, and he was casting out demons, and he was feeding 5,000, and he was doing awesome ministry in his ministry or in his life at this time. And at this time, Jesus now is popular. I mean, he, he got massive amount of people that are following Everywhere he go, he, they, they, they everywhere. As a matter of fact, it, it's so many people that when someone touched him, when a lady who was sick um, with the issue of blood touched him, he asked who touched me and his disciples at that time who was following him said, how can we know that? We got people everywhere. How, how can we know who, who's following you? How, I, I mean, who touched you? How, how can we notice Jesus is at the hype of his ministry and people are following him all around him? He got, this, he got people follow him uh, wherever he go. He can't, he can't escape him. He's trying to get away, Linda Parker. He's trying to get away. He's trying to get away, Brother Kenner. He's trying to get away to, to even uh, go before God and pray. And, 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 it's too, and it's hard to get away because he got so many people following him. He got so many people following him. Matter of fact, in, in, in chapter 8, verse 4, it said a multitude was around him. And he have all these people follow him. He almost like a, a celebrity and got the paparazzi all around him because his ministry is doing well. And you know how it is. When things are going well, we got people all around us. When things are going good, we have, we have people all around us. When we have money, we got people all around us. When we have our health, we got people all around. When we're doing great, we got people all around. Y'all know how it is. As a matter of fact, I, I saw a quote from a friend of mine, Quinn Cook, uh, just played for the Lakers, I mean the Lakers, and he said, um, when life was good, all my friends was around. And now he cut, and he's not, he got cut, and he's not in the NBA as a, at this moment. He said, now all my friends have disappeared. But we, we know how it is that, that, that people gather around us. And at this time, in the hype of Jesus' ministry, when his ministry is going well, Deacon Allen, when his ministry is going well, Brother Hill, when his ministry is going well, now Jesus have everybody following him. And not only are they following him, following him and gathering around him, but also, Brother Charles, watch this, they also saying that we are his disciples. 
they, they, they claim him and proclaim him to be disciples of Jesus Christ because everything is going well. And, and it, it's like today. We, we, today we have the same issue. When things are going well in the church, we got people around. But when the church is going through some issues, we don't have people. And when things are going good, we got people around and everybody's saying, oh, I'm a Christian. Or I belong to this church. Or I belong to that church. But we just got people hanging around like Jesus. But they really not disciples of Jesus. See, here's the issue. Because you hang around Jesus, because you come to church, because you proclaim you're a disciple, because you proclaim that you're a Christian doesn't really mean that you're a Christian. And Jesus addresses this issue. Jesus says, because you hang around me, because you, you, you hang around me, because you're in the multitude, because you're around me when things are going good, because you proclaim that you're a Christian, because you proclaim that you're my disciples doesn't really mean that you're a disciple. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus, Jesus addressed this issue because the Jews were claiming to be his disciples. That's because everything was going well. That's because things were looking good. That's because things was on the up and up, and, and everybody was excited about what Jesus was doing. I mean, did you see? How he fed all them people with that, with that little, little, little teeny kids meal. And he fed all those people. Did you, did you see how that woman touched them with the issue of blood? And, and next thing you know, immediately she was healed. I mean, look at all the publicity and all, all the fame that Jesus had at that time. And, and, and all them people surround him. And everyone wanted to be a disciple because they hung around. Because when things going well in the church, everyone want to hang around. Everyone want to be a Christian. But Jesus said, because you hang around, because you proclaim to be a disciple, don't really mean you're a disciple. And Jesus, he addressed this issue. He addressed this issue. And today I want to speak to you from the topic to be a disciple, to be a true disciple. Because these Jewish people believed that they were disciples just because they hung around Jesus or because they proclaimed that they were disciples. And he says, here it is. Here it is. If you want to be a true disciple, he says here in verse number 23, look what he says in verse 20, 23a. He says that, then he said to all them, if anyone desires to come after me, he says, if you really want to be a true disciple, I mean, a, a true disciple of mine, the first thing he said, you're going to have to desire to come after me. He said, this is what it looks like. This is what a true disciple, this are the requirements. And watch this, the, the next three things he's going to say, they are commands. This is not a suggestion. This is not a, a choice. He says, if you desire to follow me, do anyone in here desire to follow Jesus? Do you have a desire to follow Jesus? Do you have a desire to, to let him be your Lord, to let him be your Savior? I'm not talking about surrendering your life to him. I'm talking about now you are a Christian. He says, now you are a Christian. This is the requirement to be my disciple. He says, now because you are a Christian, because you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here is the requirement of you to be my disciple. He said, do you desire to be my disciple? And I like this. He said, if anyone desire to be my disciple, because what Jesus is not going to force you to do is do something that you really don't have in your heart to do. Jesus is not going to force you to live for him, Crystal. Jesus is not going to force you to live from him, Sean. Jesus is not going to force you to live for him, Sean. He says, if you desire, said, do you desire? This word desire means to long or to seek after an urge. Do you really long to, to, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to follow him? 
Do you really set aside everything that so you can follow him and be the disciple that he called you to be? He says that if, you, if you're going to be a true disciple, you got to have a desire to be my disciple. Do you have that desire? Do you have that desire to, to chase after Jesus Christ? And we all know how desires work. I mean, we all, we all have desired things in our life. When you have a desire, you can't think about nothing else. Not, nothing else matters. Matter of fact, if you got a desire and you craving so much on that desire, it'll keep you from sleeping. Come on now, talk back to me. We got people in here today. Come on. I ain't got to tell the chat. Oh, I forgot the chat. People, please put a hand up or put a heart up or something to let me know that you hear me on Zoom. Just wave or something just to say hi to let me know you hear me. He says, look, if you have a desire, that thing will keep us up all night. When you desire to do something, I see you, Joe, waving in the sanctuary on Zoom. Thank you, Lord. I see you. Uh, praise God. Look, he says that you, you got to have a desire to, to follow Jesus. And we know how desires is. You have placed in your mind that you're not going to eat that chocolate cake. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I, I swear I can't do it no more. I'm not even buying them in the house. But soon you go to Costco and you see that seven layer chocolate cake. You, 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 you walk past it like this. But then you back up saying, well, 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 I, I could take a piece of it. You know, that desire, Jesus said, that same desire you have for everything else, I want you had a desire for me. That same desire you put to everything else, when you got that desire and it's on your mind and you're thinking about it and you can't think about nothing else, you can't even sleep because you can't wait to get up in the morning to get to that desire that you have. Jesus said, you need to have that same desire for me, but I'm not going to force it on you. That if you want to. If you want, if you want to, to, to follow me, Jesus said to be a true disciple, you got to have a desire to follow him. But this is a voluntary thing. This is a decision that you have to make. This is a decision that every one of us have to make. We can't make, make this decision for us. We have to make it ourselves. He said, will you have a desire for me? He said, if you're going to be a true desire, I mean, a true disciple, you got you to have a desire for him. Second thing he says, if you're going to be a true desire, I mean, a true disciple, you must deny yourself. Now here, now we get into the three uh, uh, commands. This is a command. He says that, 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 that this is the first command of, he says, to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to deny yourself. Look what he says here. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. This word deny means to reject. This word deny means to, to, uh, to disown. And I like this because remember, he, he, he's stating this to, to those who, are, who, are, who, are, who believe that they are disciples because they're behind him. And he said, this is what the requirement is, that if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself. And I like this because this is different. Because usually what we preach is if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you got to stop doing this and you got to stop doing that. No, that comes when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. But after you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and now you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he says now all that behavior stuff goes out. I mean, all that behavior stuff, we know that that's going to happen. But now you have to deny yourself. He says that, 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 that you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to denounce who you are. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to get quiet in here. Even online is quiet. Nobody even saying anything on that. Anybody saying anything, boo? Ain't nobody saying nothing on, on, on Instagram. Because guess what? Look, he, he says you're going to have to deny yourself. He says you no longer going to have to live for yourself. You no longer can live for yourself. 
He says that you're going you, you're gonna to have to deny yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to denounce yourself. He says you, you're going to have to denounce yourself. Let me, let me make it plain. Let me make it plain for you. It ain't about you no more. Those who are on, on virtual, put it in the text. It ain't about you no more. Chat it. It ain't about you. It ain't about you no more. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, look, you're going to have to deny yourself. This life is not about you anymore. But I knew it was going to get quiet because this is a hard pill to swallow. Amen. Amen. It's a hard pill to swallow. Watch this. Because we, we, we live in a, in, a, in a society that is self-centered. We live, we live in a society that is about me, myself, and I. We, we live in a society where we go buy the most expensive clothes so we can get their attention. We live in a society where we can buy the biggest houses that we can't afford so we can get their attention. We live in a society where we put on the best outfit to put it on Facebook and Instagram and all the social media sites and watch how many likes we get. This is where we are. We live in a society that is all about me, myself, and I. So when Jesus says that you got to deny yourself, we don't want to hear that. But he says, if you want to be a true disciple, if you want to walk with me, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to die to yourself. He says, you're going to have to die to yourself. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but him who live in me. Uh, can we get there? Can we deny ourselves? Can we, we deny ourselves like Jesus commanded us to do? We don't, we, we are so caught up in ourselves that, that this is a problem when we hear Jesus say this. Because if we don't have the attention, we don't want to be bothered. And we're not the talk of the party. And we're not the, the host of the party. If we're not the center of attraction, we, we, we ain't even interested. We, we don't, we don't want to be bothered. No, no, no. It's about me and me and only me. Come see me. Come see me. Come see me. And that's why the consume, that's why we always consuming because we always trying to get better and look better so we can put that spotlight on us. And Jesus said, when you surrender to me as your Lord and Savior, it's no longer about you, but it's about him. So our lives is not about us. He said, you're going to have to denounce who you are. Said so you're going to have to denounce who you are. It's not about you. Our life is about promoting him, not promoting ourselves. Our fame does not come to us. It comes to him. He says, this is what it's called. Because you hang around me and because you proclaim to be a Christian, because you hang around me, Sister Powell, because you hang around me, Miss Murray, doesn't mean that you're a Christian. To be a Christian, you're going to have to denounce yourself. Then he says the second command. He says to be a true disciple. A mind. No longer you need to have a desire. Second thing is you have to uh, deny yourself. The third thing is he says that you must carry your cross. You must carry your cross. He says you must take up your cross. Watch this. He said you must take up your cross. Now, I've, I got to help you all with this because I know, uh, like I, um, some of you all may heard the preaching um, preach different. But but here in the text, uh, he says you got to take up your cross. But, but to understand what he's saying, you really got to look at the culture that they're in. So at this time, Jesus had not even experienced death. He had not even experienced the cross. So he is not really talking about what he experienced. He's talking about what he's going to experience and what his life going to cause as a disciple. But you got to understand the, the custom at this time. The custom at this time in Rome 
was that the cross represents shame and, and, and surrenderance and, and excruciating death. So when Jesus says, when you hear about the cross, matter of fact, the cross wasn't something we talked about, you, you talked about. When they were around at the, well, not around, but when they was laying on the floor at the dinner table because they didn't have tables like us, they lay on the ground and they, they lay on the ground with, usually with one arm and, uh, and, and sit there and eat. And they're they not talking about crucifixion because this was a excruciating, shameful death to be a part of. So they, they, it's just not a casual talk about it. So this, this, this is Fox they is when, they, when Jesus said, you're going to have to carry your cross. They're like, what? what? Uh, uh, no, we, we don't talk about that because this was this was uh, uh, persecution. This was execution. We, we ain't talking about that. We do talk about Jesus. I got to carry my cross. So when Jesus says you have to carry your cross, you got to understand the Roman context that, that, that the cross for them represents excruciating pain and death and surrenderance. So when you when you was when you was found guilty for whatever crime you've done, they will give you the cross beam, not the whole entire cross. You didn't cur the whole entire cross. You curred the cross beam. And you had to cur the cross beam to your execution. And they paraded you through the streets of Jerusalem so everyone would see that you have surrendered to the Roman government and you agreed with the crime that they placed you with. So it was shameful and also it was, I guess, mental, emotional too because now I know I'm going to die like this. So they will parade you, and this is what the cross represents. So now, but when Jesus Christ died, the cross represents sacrificial death. It represents uh, surrenderance, and it, re it represents uh, sacrificial death, suffering, and sacrifice. But he didn't say, he says that you're going to have to carry your cross. And it's not a literal cross. This is not a cross. He's not saying carry your cross, and you need to go to the jury store and buy a chain with a cross on it. This is not that. That was a joke, y'all. <laughs> He's he not saying carry your cross and you go get a tattoo and put a cross on your arm. That, that's, that's not carry your cross. When he says carry your cross, he said, you got to understand, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to suffer. You're going you're gonna to suffer. You, you're going to have some humiliating times. You're going to go through some persecution. You're going to go through some ups and some downs. You, you're going to be uh, persecuted. You're going to run through some trials and some tribulations. See, to cur this cross, you're going to have to go through some things. And ultimately, it may cost you your life. Well, let's talk about some people that, that, that carry the cross. We, we look at John. John carried his cross, and the Bible says he had his head cut off because he carried his cross. Let's look at some people that curse his cross. Stephen and Acts said he was stoned to death because he cursed his cross. Let's look at some people who cursed his cross. Paul was in prison, out the prison, and was beat all night and was uh, ridiculed and was, was stoned and martyred because he cursed his cross. Let's look at somebody who cursed his cross, the best who ever did it. Jesus Christ cursed his cross, where he died on the cross, where he shed his blood for the remission of your sin and my sin. Jesus cursed his cross, and he said, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to carry this cross. Are you willing? Do you want to follow me now? This is what it takes to be a true disciple, that you're going to have to suffer for Christ. So this is what it's about. It's just not hanging around me. It's just not hanging around a multitude and, and proclaiming you a Christian. No, you're going to have to suffer some things. As a matter of fact, we all say, God, use me. If I say, if I said before I even said this, if I'd have said, y'all put your hand up, you want God to use y'all, everybody would have put your hand up. Am I right? Am I right? Even online, you'd have put your hand up and like, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Yes, I want to be used. But do you want to be used when he got you going through chemo? 
Do you, do you want to be used when he got your children on drugs? Do you, do you want to be used when he brings sickness and death to your house? See, we don't, we don't want that kind of using. We want to use what God just bless us with all this and all that. You see, you see what I'm saying? So he says that, but this life, this, this discipleship going to cause you to suffer. It's going to cause you to surrender to me. And this is a, a picture of, of, of pure surrenderance to Jesus Christ. This is a true ultimate picture of surrenderance to Jesus Christ. And he says, if, if you're going to be my disciple, he says that you're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to go through some things. You're going to, you may lose your life for the name of Christ. And he said, this is a true disciple. This is a true disciple of mine. This is what disciples have to go through. And then he says, the last thing he says, so if you're going to be a true disciple, you're going to have to have a desire. The second thing, he says, if you're going to be a true disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself. And then he says, if you're going to be a true disciple, you must carry your own cross. And then he said, if you're going to be a true disciple, he says that you, you must follow me. Thanks. He says that you must follow me. This is the, the third command. He said that you're going to have to follow me. And I like this because Jesus says you're going to have to follow who? Me. This, this, this is amazing. I, I, Jesus, you telling us about being a disciple. If you're going to be a disciple, we know that means to follow you. But Jesus said, you really don't understand what, what, what I mean. He says that you really going to have to follow me. See, because we got a habit to following anybody. We, we, me and Tucker talk about this all the time. Boy, people will follow anybody. We got, we got a habit of, of following ourselves. As a matter of fact, we'll follow a stranger before we follow Jesus. We, we, Jesus tell us to go somewhere. We'll, we'll say, God, is it really true? But, but the other day, me and my wife was in Georgia, and we was lost. I said, well, he looked like he's from Atlanta. Let me, let me ask him where the park at. So I, I run down the window, and I'm following a stranger. But Jesus tell me where the park at. I'm like, Jesus, really over there? You know what I mean? Can y'all lighten up some? Please, Lord God. Am I still, are y'all still on virtual? I know, oh. Oh, they must don't want to talk because they got their mask on. Okay, all right, I get it. I get it now. I get it. Your breath's stinking, right? <laughs> okay, all right, I get it. Nikki, you like that? I get it. Okay. So, all right, all right, all right. So he says, look, he says, if you, you're going to be my disciple, he says, you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to let me lead you. You're going to have to let me guide you in your life. You're going to have to let me be the one who the footsteps that you follow. You're going to have to let me be the one who leads you into the path of your life. Wherever you go, you're going to have to be in connection with me that you may follow where I lead you. And this is so amazing that Jesus says, follow me, because guess what? When we follow Jesus, we know we're in good hands. He will never lead us to a place that he can't get us out of. And as a matter of fact, Psalms, um, Charles, Psalms 25, verse 5 said, lead me and guide me, Lord, in the way I should go. Or do, you, do you desire for God to lead you or you still want yourself to lead? And look where you've led yourself so far. You've been making decisions for your life all this time and look where you ended up at. I mean, all of us got regrets for the decisions that we made and the way we were leading ourselves. I mean, I think about some things I've done. I said, God, I shouldn't have been leading. It's like that bumper sticker. Lord, take the wheel, take the wheel. Let me, God says, follow me. Jesus said, to be a disciple, you're going to have to turn leadership over to him. You're going to have to turn leadership over to him. 
Why would you turn leadership over to him? Because he said in John, I'm the way. He says, I know the way for your life. I know the way and the path that I had before you. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, he says, I know the plans of your life before you even were formed. Jesus said, I know the path that you should go. I know the way you should go. I know your destination. I know the direction you should go. And he says that, let me, let me lead you. He said, let me lead your life. Why should we let Jesus lead us? Because he know the way. And he says, not only do I know the way, but I'm the truth. He says, I have the truth. Jesus said on this path that I'm taking you on, you will not run into lies because I have the truth. I will tell you the truth. If you go over there, you're going to catch something. If you keep skipping school, you're going to fail. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I have the truth. He says, why should you follow him? Not only because he is the way and the truth, but he says, I have the life. Because I'm leading you to life. And that life is more abundantly. Jesus said, if you want to be a true disciple, let me follow you. But we, we too anxious to jump off track. We start good and we get fired up and we go. And then next thing you know, we, we jump off track. I remember uh, uh, I was taking Jackson and his friends. I took Jackson and his friends to Myrtle Beach uh, for a basketball game. And we get down there and you know, everybody know Myrtle Beach. It's eight, eight, nine hour ride, except for if it's Deacon Dixon, it's two hours, according to him. Deacon Dixon get everywhere fast, according to him. So, uh, but, but what we know is, is about nine hours, eight hours, whatever. So, and we know it's all down 95, straight down 95. You go straight down 95, you run right into Myrtle Beach. For, before you get there, you get to that uh, little place that need to be built up with is a uh, Pedro, uh, south of the border. So you stop there and take crazy pictures because it need to be built up anyway. I'm not going to do whatever. So look, so we, you know, you go down 95. So now we leave in front of the tournament and I'm, I'm ready to come home. I've been down there with these kids. My wife didn't go. So she left me with these kids in the hotel for a week. So I'm ready to come home. And what I find out is that um, I put my, 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 my address in. I put the address in the navigation system and I'm, I'm, I'm riding for about 30 minutes and it feel like I'm not going anywhere. I, 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 I said, I know to get home, you take 95. You know, all y'all from the South, you know, you take 95 to come back. You take 95 to come on back. So now I'm, I'm like, it don't take me 30 minutes from, from, from Myrtle Beach to get on 95. It don't take me 30 minutes. It don't take me 30 minutes. So something must be wrong. So I was pull over and I, and I said, well, maybe I put the wrong address in. Because I'm riding for 30 minutes. It feel like I'm in South Carolina. I'm going deeper in South Carolina. And I, don't, I, don't, I see one traffic light, some gas stations that were closed and looked like it was abandoned. And, and I'm going through cornfield. I'm like, what in the world am I at? So I said, well, well uh, maybe I put the wrong address in. So I go in the navigation system and we talk about following Jesus. So stay with me. And so I go in the navigation system and in the navigation system, I see that I put the right address in. So I said, well, why is it taking me this way? And you know, in the navigation system, you can scroll over to see all the, or make the, um, your, your route bigger or, or smaller so you can see other routes. And what I noticed on 95 was all red. Y'all know what red mean. When you see red, that means it's traffic backed up. And I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. I understand now the reason why my navigation system was taking me that way because it had traffic on 95. So to avoid traffic, I had to go around. I'm going somewhere, I'm going somewhere. See, see, when you listen, when you follow Jesus, Jesus got a scope of everything that's going around around you. Jesus know what's on the other side, your right side. Jesus know what's on the left side. Jesus know what's behind you. Jesus know what's in front of you. So he says, if you follow 
follow me, I give you a straight path home. You ain't got to worry about bumping into no traffic. The reason why some of y'all missed some accidents and was late for work because Jesus already was leading you and he was guiding you. The reason why some of y'all ain't get robbed that night when a person was in front of you got robbed because Jesus, you let Jesus follow you and he leads you to the way to go so you can skip traffic. Because he know what's coming up on you. He know what's coming up on you before you even know. That's why you need to follow Jesus. He'll give you a way out. He'll march you right into your homeland. Right into your house where you safe. Because he cares about you. And he said to be my disciple. Will you let him lead you? Jesus said would you let him lead you? Would you let him lead you? Or are you going to jump back on the path for all the traffic at? Or you're going to jump in a direction where things are waiting to destroy you and take you out. Jesus said, will you follow me? Today I ask you this question for those who are on virtual. Put in the chat, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? Jesus.